Hey, what's up everybody? Jack Mundy here with Survivor and Other Things coming at you with my Survivor Season 38 Edge of Extinction preseason podcast. Uh, Survivor comes back on Wednesday. Super excited. Uh, don't have soccer this week, so able to watch live, which is uh, awesome and not going to be able to happen for the remainder of the winter at least. Um, so yeah, we have our one hour, not two hours, one hour premiere Coming on Wednesday, the 20th, um, on CBS, and looking forward to talking about this cast, uh, talking about the theme, talking about the four returning players that we have uh, coming back to us. So um, stay tuned, and we will get right into it uh, right after this uh, message from our sponsors. All right, so let's get into this, uh, talking about the uh, Season 38, Edge of Extinction, uh, everything that you need to know. Uh, we've got a lot of long-form podcasts out there in the Survivor world, uh, so going to keep this one pretty tight, pretty quick, uh, just giving you everything that you need to know coming from my perspective now that I've absorbed all of the preseason content coming out of EW, coming out of Rob Has Podcast, uh, coming out of First One Out, uh, really getting to know the cast. Um, so uh, really wanted to pack it all in into one 25, 30-minute uh, podcast, giving you my thoughts on some of these players, especially on the returning players, and definitely on how I think that the twist of this season of the Edge of Extinction and Extinction Island is going to play uh, a crucial role moving forward. So the way that I'm going to go about this podcast, if you want to skip uh, ahead to my cast assessment, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to talk mainly about the um, the the twist and the theme of Edge of Extinction and Extinction Island for the first couple of minutes. And then I'm going to jump right in talking about the new players. Um, we have... Uh, we've got 14 new players uh, across two different tribes, so I'm going to talk about them first uh, before I close out by talking about the, um, the returning players and then taking a couple of questions from some dedicated listeners who were uh, so kind to send their questions in before recording this podcast. So uh, going right in, I want to uh, hit on the Edge of Extinction theme first. So when this was first broken back in, I believe, the spring of 2018 that this was going to be the theme, I was really disappointed. Um, like everybody, we all kind of, uh, you know, the, the Survivor fan community as a whole uh, kind of collectively stood up and said, this sounds like Redemption Island. We don't want this anymore. No, no, no. And I was, uh, I was one of those. So, um, you know, was not looking forward to it coming into this. Now, I, I guess my expectations haven't, haven't, I guess, grown. I still uh, don't know how this is going to play out. Nobody really knows how this is going to play out, but we do have a, l have a little bit of extra information that we didn't have over the course of last year and over the course of the last couple months. So we know that once a player gets voted out, they are going to uh, come to a sign and a fork in the road where they can either continue their adventure and head off on their own, or they can uh, go to Ponderosa. They can peace out and their game is over. So um, I, I still find it so interesting that these twists are not being told to the cast at the top of the uh, at the top of the season because it significantly impacts the strategy that goes behind who you want to be voted out. Um, obviously, everybody thought right when this was announced that this uh, this twist was 
tailor-made for for Mr. Joey Amazing, who I'll talk about more towards the end of the podcast, uh, you know, when he inevitably does get voted out for being a challenge threat, uh, being able to survive on his own, you know, fend for himself on Edge of Extinction Island, uh, but, but definitely going to talk about that uh, later in the podcast. I'm not excited for uh, for this twist, I think, especially in a one-hour or one-hour premiere. Excuse me. Um, I think it's really going to be a hindrance on all of the great character development that we saw coming out of season thirty-seven. I don't know how we can get away with a one-hour episode where we have four returning players that are going to take up a large amount of screen time, and also we have to intro this twist of Extinction Island, which will probably take up at least a couple minutes at the end of the episode. Um, you know, after Tribal Council, after we get the first person voted out. Um, thankfully, we only have two tribes. We're not looking at three tribes. We're not looking at 20 players. So there is a little bit of wiggle room there. Um, however, this twist, if it's anything like Redemption Island, is going to take away a significant amount of time from each individual episode. I know we are not getting a challenge every uh, every episode. We're probably just going to get cutaways of whichever castaway is at Extinction Island, what's going on, what's going through their head, um, and, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what that looks like, but I really do think that it might be a hindrance on getting to know some of the players that are still in the game, especially when there are four, uh, four Survivor All-Stars coming back who are going to take up a large amount of screen time. The one positive thing that I think can come out of Edge of Extinction Island um, is that we might see a little bit of a, um, of a dive into the, uh, the human element and into the, uh, the human spirit and the, the drive to want to stay in something that might be a dream. Um, you look at this cast and you see a lot of super fans, at least that's what they're saying. Um, I, I can't really tell if anybody was recruited off of this season, whereas in past seasons you can kind of tell that some people you know, weren't lifelong Survivor fans and, and all of that. But on this season, you can really tell that everybody on, on the show is going to want to fight for it, which I think is something that production did uh, very, very intently. Um, and, and with a very big focus behind that because you're going to get people going to Extinction Island who are going to want to stay because this is their dream. So, um, you know, I think that they did a really good job in casting a lot of super fans who are going to look at Extinction Island as a continuation of their survivor dream and, and really try to fight to stay in. I also think the, the other uh, aspect that I wanted to talk about of Extinction Island is that maybe we'll see a development of strategy where uh, players are actively trying to get into each other's heads on how they can convince the others to uh, to to quit the game uh, more or less. So you know we all know that at any point in time you can uh, you can quit once you get there. Um, you can raise a white flag and, and and you'll be escorted out. I wonder how we'll see that play out when it comes to other survivor players trying to get other people to quit, get other people out of their way before the challenge comes into play to come back into the game at the merge or to come back into the game at final five. Um, you know, really diving into that that psychology aspect of survivor, which for from my perspective is something that I really enjoy. Um, so I, I my my hopes really lie in that aspect of the twist is that we're going to get something um, that really dives into the social and the psychological element of surviving on an island of not wanting to give up a dream but the elements also playing a factor so that's what i think about the twist let me know what you guys think uh you know shoot me a message reply uh send some comments on the uh on this post and, and let me know what you think about the actual twist of edge of extinction island
So getting into this cast, I'm going to start with the Manu tribe, and I'm really just going to hit on the people that I think are going to really stand out, uh, that are going to have either a really difficult time, in my in my opinion, or who I think will really, uh, really blossom and really succeed on this season, the people that I think have uh, what it takes to go far and, uh, and, and do really well. So, um, you know, looking at the Manu tribe, I see uh, right off the plate, uh, the war dog. This guy is is killing me already. Um, prior to the game, he's already been in some Twitter fights with uh, previous survivors and uh, already pissed off Johnny Fairplay to um, an extent that's comical. Um, but he's he's really taking this this uh, Tony looking kind of uh, understanding his perception of being. Um, being this really aggressive New York guy, he compares himself to uh, the perception that Tony might have gotten, that Joe Mena might have gotten, uh, and and you know that Dominic might have gotten. So um, I think that his his self awareness is really there, but I have absolutely no confidence that he'll be able to avoid that perception um, just by just by looking at him. He's got a tattoo. Uh, of war dog on his arm and he calls himself the war dog and he's going to call himself the war dog on the island people are going to see that immediately and think of all those past players who are very threatening and those type of guys are the guys that go out and look for idols they're the ones that want unpredictability in the game so he's going to be a serious asset uh during the 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 tribal portion of the game and i really don't think he'll be in any trouble uh, unless he stirs a, a lot of uh, a lot of i guess improbability and unpredictability um but right at the merge i really have a funny feeling that he's probably going to go in that you know uh, third person at the merge voted out voted out second person at the merge voted out um because of his physical abilities and because of his unpredictability um, you know, other than Dan, uh, the war dog, Da Silva, um, I love Rick Devins, a uh, newscaster from uh, Macon, Georgia, or I guess he lives in Georgia now, is from Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, and I really love uh, just how sweaty he is in his picture. Um, really a man uh, right from my own heart. Um, and uh, I think he's going to be really entertaining. He knows how to play up in front of a camera, uh, which is always great, and production is going to love that. Uh, but more importantly, I think he knows how to make people feel comfortable, being that he is a news anchor and he is uh, talking to people every day and interviewing people all the time. So um, I, I think that he's going to be uh, really entertaining and, and really fun. Um, I think that he's got a really good chance at winning, too. I don't know if I'd make him my winner pick uh, just because of how kind of goofy he seems, but uh, I do think that he has a good chance at going pretty far because he's not very threatening physically, or so it looks. Um, but socially and uh, strategically, since he is a, uh, a fan of the game, I think that he could do really, really well, um, especially from that, that social aspect. Uh, other folks on the Manu tribe that stand out to me, um, from, from first one out, I really liked Lauren. Um, I think that she had uh, some really good thoughts about the game when she was talking with Josh. But then when I started watching some of the ET Canada interviews... Um, and some of the things that Survivor was posting on YouTube where you got to see, I guess, kind of her body language when she when she talks. I, I got a little bit worried because she came off to me as being maybe a little bit too excitable, um, a little bit too demonstrative, uh, maybe a little bit annoying uh, for some people. However, I think that she really is a triple threat. I mean, she's got the the emotional tenacity overcoming uh, some injuries in, in college and um, she is uh, clearly a physical threat, 
being a college soccer player. Socially, she's going to do great. I mean, she's a good-looking 21-year-old girl. She's going to be able to flirt her way around. And strategically, she sounds like she is an actual fan. I mean, her story about having a Tina and Colby doll back when she was, uh, you know, six years old or whatever, um, you know, seems like she has been around Survivor for her entire life. So having that that understanding of the game is, is really critical and combining that with a social game, uh, which I think is going to be really important for her. If she can get past a swap, I think that Lauren is going to go really deep. However, she could be a liability um, at a swap or, uh, you know, if, if she ends up on an alliance that's down in numbers. Um, but I, I really do like her. Uh, I think that she has a lot of things that, that can go really well for her um, as long as she can kind of rein in that excitability um, and, and, and really focus in on making those social connections to get her through a swap and into the merge. And then uh, lastly from, from the Manu tribe who I wanted to discuss was, uh, was Wendy. Wendy, I, <laughs> I'm really worried for Wendy. Uh, you know, she came in really big and really... Uh, really powerful on that interview with Josh Wiggler and first one out and in all of her videos. And I know that that's something that she, uh, that she's really proud of, it seems like. Um, and I, I worry for her because of that. I think that, um, you know, she might come across as a little bit overbearing, uh, maybe a little bit unpredictable. I know that, um, you know, one of the things that she said that described her was spontaneous and in Survivor, spontaneity is not something that people want around. People want, um, you know, predictability and being able to understand what people are going to do, being able to predict their movements and, and all of that. So I really worry for Wendy. I think that she very well may be the first boot on this tribe if we're just looking at keeping a tribe strong and, and keeping a tribe cohesive. She might end up being that first person out if she can't, again, like Lauren, rein in that excitability uh, or that, yeah, being excitable and being really over the top. Um, so I think that she could find herself in uh, in trouble. But if she does get to the merge, um, I really don't think that she's going to be that much of a threat to people and could really fly under the radar um, and do pretty well. When it comes to some of the other people, Chris had a really great interview with Josh, um, really liked his knowledge of, uh, of the wiggle room and of Survivor as a whole and that he's doing it for Monica. Um, and, and I think that he could, uh, he could be fun, but he does give me a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Dan, uh, Dan rendering vibes, um, coming off of his picture, coming off of, uh, some of his bio and, and what he, what he sounds like, uh, you know, he's a salesman. So could be, uh, could be real interesting to see how he's able to sell himself, um, as a player on, on the Island. Uh, Keith also a little worried for Keith. He, uh, doesn't like camping. He doesn't like the outdoors. Um, he is a pastor and that's great. Um, but if you are kind of one dimensional on the Island, which as a 19 year old student from North Carolina, you very well could be considered, or you could be perceived as very one dimensional, not having that type of life experience. Uh, I know I wouldn't have been comfortable going out to survivor at age 19 because I just didn't have the life experience. Um, you know, he could be seen as, um, as, as somebody who, who people wouldn't want to align with because, um, because of that. So, um, again, Keith, another guy, if he can get to a swap, uh, and be in the numbers, I think would be good. Um, but otherwise I, I do worry for Keith, especially with the edge of extinction twist. Um, if he gets out there, I'm not really sure how well, uh, how well he's going to do at all. Uh, and then we have Reem and Reem. I don't really know. I don't get many vibes from Reem. I, I wasn't necessarily impressed with some of the things that she 
talked about in her first one out. Honestly, I don't really remember a whole lot. So, um, you know, could be interesting to see how she goes, but she is kind of the older woman on the tribe um, and would be seen as that kind of, you know, mom character, which right at the beginning of the game is always very dangerous. Um, but she was in sales and she, she is in sales. So again, another salesperson. Uh, really love that she lists Rudy Bosch as one of her favorite Survivor contestants, but um, don't really have a read on Reem. Now, moving on to the Kama tribe, uh, I want to start talking about uh, Victoria first because she really stuck out, especially, um, you know, because of uh, she's from New York. I'm from New York, and uh, I, I, I always love following the castaways that are from New York, um, and she does scare me a bit as well. Uh, I think that she might be the first boot from the Kama tribe if something goes wrong because... Uh, you know, she doesn't seem to really um, have a whole lot of, uh, of dimension to her uh, when I look at it from face value. I mean, her claim to fame was that she, has a f she was a valedictorian and had a perfect 4-0, and she brings it up as much as possible, but she's also a waitress in the Bronx, so I don't, I don't really understand, you know, her, her life story. I don't understand what she's, uh, what she's all about. Um, I think that she is probably going to be um, you know, pretty good socially, but um, again, I think if she can't kind of rein in that excitability, people are going to uh, are going to target her because she's going to end up on the outs. I'm not sure that she's the type of person that is going to mesh with, uh, you know, with the Auroras of the tribe, with the uh, the Aubreys of the tribe, or the Julie. Uh, you know, a lot of the the women on this tribe might not mesh with her as well. Um, as she would maybe on the other tribe um, if she was with with like a Lauren or a Wendy um, so so a little worried for Victoria for Victoria but she is going to be fun she's going to be good TV um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how she uh, how she does uh, Ron Ron Clark Academy guy uh, he seems really interesting I mean the fact that he has his own mo or a movie I think he said was Matthew Mc no not Matthew McConaughey uh, Matthew Broderick I guess uh, was playing him in a movie not a lot of people get to say that uh which is pretty dang cool so um you know he seems like a really really well respected guy he kind of knows how to carry himself and uh being a teacher i think that he'll be able to take some folks under his wing um i don't really see him going uh going you know early i i definitely think that ron uh, will get to the merge and if he does he could have a good chance at winning um, I do think that he, he might be the type of person since he wants to play aggressively, uh, you know, he might go after a Joe, um, or an Aubrey on this tribe, uh, just because he doesn't want the returning players around. So, uh, so we'll see, um, how he ends up playing, but, uh, I really liked his interview with Josh and, and how aggressive he wants to play. Um, so that's exciting. The other folks that I wanted to talk about on the Kama Tribe, uh, one is Eric. Um, Eric, I am getting serious JP from Heroes, Healers, Hustler vibes. Um, he kept talking about how he wants to play uh, super under the radar. His interview with Josh was incredibly boring, um, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't really know how well Eric's going to do. Um, you know, if he's getting JP vibes, or if I'm getting JP vibes, and I think that... Um, you know, it might be a little bit tough for him, uh, just because he'll come off, uh, really laid back and, and maybe a little bit, you know, less intelligent than some of the other folks. Um, and JP was horrible. So, 
um, you know, we'll see. He does have a really great story um, in that his uh, his family is really uh, his. He has a really great family life. I think he he said he has a son um, who has autism, and he does a, a lot to uh, to take care of his son and to uh, to really work uh, with his family and make sure that his family um, is. Um, having the the best life possible, and he's a firefighter, and I really respect that coming from uh, a family with with a lot of firefighters in it. So, um, you know, I know he said he wants to play like Tony, but I don't know, man. I think that that guy is probably going to end up playing like more of a JP, but uh, but we shall see. He'll definitely be uh, good in the challenges, uh, being that he's really physical, um, but, you know, probably make it to the merge and then probably get booted pretty dang early. Uh, next, I want to talk about Aurora. She is incredibly interesting to me. I mean, being a divorce attorney, she kind of has this I don't care attitude. Uh, you know, she's probably going to end up being the villain of our season. Um, and, and I really, really like that type of character. So um, I hope that she's able to be the villain without being mean. Um, I, I think I heard that said somewhere in, in one of the, uh, one of the other, uh, podcasts that I was listening to, um, you know, that's definitely something you can do. Um, and, and I really like those type of villains where they're kind of the, the strategic masterminds and when they get in confessional, they can be really biting. Um, but you know, out on the Island, they, they have a, a good face on, uh, she seems to think that that's going to be something that she's going to struggle with where her mouth is going to get her into trouble. Um, you know, she's probably going to get in some arguments, but, um, I really want to see Aurora go far strictly because it's going to be incredibly fun to watch. And the last person that I wanted to talk about coming out of the comma tribe, uh, is Gavin. I uh, really wanted to spend some time on him because I thought out of all of the, Preseason survivor videos, uh, introduction videos, I thought his was the most impressive. Uh, I really think that he has everything it takes to win the game, um, especially because he's going to play up that Audgy shucks, I'm just a dumb hick type of uh, type of character. Uh, and as we saw, that really, really worked for Nick Wilson. Uh, that worked for JT, which is who he said that he would model his game after, or not model his game after, but that's one of his biggest influences um, in Survivor, and I just, I really like his um, his intensity, I like his, uh, his sense of humor. He just got married like two days before leaving. They actually moved their wedding, so his wife must be an actual saint because uh, that, is, uh, that is some serious commitment to the game, literally. Um, but I think that he honestly could win the whole thing. Um, you know, he's got, got the whole package. He looks really physically fit. Um, he's incredibly personable, um, and he, he seems really funny and very strategic. He said that he would combine the games of JT and of Steven, and honestly, we kind of got that in Nick Wilson last season, and it turned out pretty well for him, so, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, also wanted to touch on um, Julie and Julia, uh, because I think that they're both going to be uh, going to be fun to watch. Um, I think Julia a little bit more than Julie uh, because she's you know really peppy and she's got a lot of energy um, and she's got a really good story. Um, but Julie, I think, has um, a lot of uh, a lot of things going for her as well. I mean, I really like that she's a toy maker. I know it's like a little weird, um, but it's it's different. It's it's you know it, it's not the normal lawyer pre med salesperson that we get on survivor um so you know she's kind of got a little bit of a different background going for her and i think that that's uh that that's pretty cool 
so there we have it uh, with the comma tribe uh, and now I'm going to move into talking about some of our or all of our I should say four returning players coming back for this season and I'm going to start uh, back on the Manu tribe with season 31's uh, biggest underdog Kelly Wentworth so Kelly coming to us from two previous seasons San Juan del Sur in which it was a pretty um, you know, pretty underwhelming showing, um, and, and, you know, she was playing with her dad on the, the, uh, the loved one season, Blood versus Water, um, really wasn't able to do a whole lot because ended up on a swap tribe where, um, there were a bunch of different pairs and, uh, her and her dad, mainly because of her dad and her strategic ability, uh, ended up on the wrong side of things and she was the target. So, um, Going pre-merge, <clears throat> gets back into uh, the second chance scene, uh, gets really active with the Survivor community, which is cool, um, and um, she has an incredible showing on Survivor Second Chances. Um, you know, it's really interesting to see so many people in, you know, the, the newer seasons now saying, I want to play like Kelly Wentworth, because if uh, she hadn't been on Second Chance, then that is not something that we'd hear coming out of anybody's mouth, so... Um, obviously she is an idle threat. She has proven that, uh, you know, so many times in, in second chance being that she keeps every idol to herself. Nobody ever knows whether or not she has one. So going to be really interesting to see if Kelly is able to pull some tricks out of her bag again. Um, but I do think that people on this season are going to see her as an asset. She is good in challenges. She is very sociable. And uh, I think that people just kind of really look up to her um, as, as, a, as a player now coming out of season 31. So, um, you know, Kelly is going to be always fun to watch, always really biting in her confessionals, um, which is great. So uh, I wonder how she's going to play with David, if she does play with David at all. Um, they might be, you know, directly targeting each other at, you know, right at the start trying to gather their own numbers. I don't think that would be smart, but, um, you know, kind of working with the neurotic, um, you know, OCD aspects of David um, on the Manu tribe to try and keep them both protected as far as they possibly can. And that takes me to the next returning player that we have, which is David Wright coming from season 33, Millennials versus Generation X. And David is, if he has a good showing on this season or, you know, especially if he goes on to win, he might be one of the best players, one of the best survivor players of, of all time. Um, his game in Millennials Gen X uh, was incredible, seeing from where he started to where he ended, where if he had just won the Final Four challenge, he would have won the entire game hands, more or less hands down, I think. Um, and... You know, seeing that kind that kind of story, that kind of arc, um, is really interesting for him coming into a second chance because now he he can kind of be that guy who's who's already established. You know, I've already done this before. Maybe he can get rid of some of the the nervous ticks at the at the at the at the start at the front of the game and be kind of uh, you know an asset for people um, when it comes to how to navigate this game. Um, you know, I think physically he still will probably struggle just like we saw him, uh, last time, but, um, you know, puzzles and strategically and socially, especially socially, um, he's going to have, you know, some serious success. So 
I'm really interested to see how David does. They are going to be absolutely stupid to keep him around anywhere past the the first swap. Um, I fear for him, being that he is really not an asset in challenges except for puzzles. So hopefully he can, um, you know, he can get on some puzzles really early on and show his value to the tribe. Um, but otherwise. I think that because of his strategic ability and because of how he's played the game in the past, um, you know, if he does end up a tribal council, you know, before the merge a couple times, if he doesn't have his numbers together, if he doesn't have any idols or advantages, which is again another thing that we know that David is really, uh, really good at, um, I think that he could wind up in some trouble um, just because of his lack of, of, of physical ability um, and his you know, absolute target on his back for his strategic prowess. So, um, you know, I loved his idea that he had when he was talking to Josh, I think, about um, uh, making a fake advantage, being that you get the sole vote for any one tribal council. Um, I think that that could really affect the way that that person would, um, would view themselves in terms of strategic, um, you know, strategic talks and Doing the social rounds before a tribal council uh, could really come in handy um, towards the towards the merge. Um, so I don't know how he's going to pull that off. I mean, he was great at making some fake idols in his season, as we already know. Um, and as this cast is very aware, seeing that his fake idol was just in Survivor Ghost Island, which was the last season that they saw before they come out here. Um, you know, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be David Wright. But uh, finding a pen and paper to be able to do that is going to be really difficult. Um, but I love David. He's one of my favorites um, to come out of the out of the 30s so far um, when it comes to newbie seasons. And and I um, really want to see him do well. I again stand by my my statement that if he does go far, um, you know, getting to the end, and definitely if he wins, I think that he's a top five survivor player. Um, of, of all time. And, um, and, and I stand by that if that does happen, but I do worry. Next, moving on to the comma tribe, we have, uh, our favorite almost winner, but not winner, but should have won. And she doesn't want to talk about it. Aubrey Bracco coming from survivor co wrong season 32 and survivor game changers playing virtually back to back for her, um, you know, one season ends and the other season begins filming, uh, or her her second season, Game Changers, began filming a couple weeks after the the finale of Survivor Korong. Um, of course, involved in a lot of controversy um, with Korong, not literal controversy, but fandom controversy of uh, was Aubrey robbed? I think the general consensus answer is yes. Um, that she was robbed. I'll put that in air quotes, robbed. But, um, you know, uh, take nothing away from, from the way Michelle played the game. Obviously, when it comes to, to each individual jury, um, you know, different strokes for different folks when it comes to each jury, and, and she pleased that jury. Um, but Aubrey, really one of the, the best players to not win, um, coming in second place, um, and, and, you know, She's definitely got, uh, she had that target on her going into Game Changers, especially because everybody had just seen her play, and there were three other Korong players, so she had a little bit of a difficult time, um, you know, getting into that game. She was continuously playing from the bottom. Uh, I know that a lot of people thought that after Game Changers, you know, we had that 
she, she had that really satisfying moment right at the end of, you know, when she goes out of the game at Final Five, um, that she was really um, more or less satisfied with the, the her Survivor experience. She kind of came to terms with it. She leaves the game smiling. Um, but I personally thought that that was probably the last that we would see of Aubrey um, in Survivor. And, and it was disappointing when I, when I had that thought because she... Uh, she is incredible. She's always great TV. Her analogies are always on point. But coming into this season, I think that she has the uh, has something that the other three don't, which is she is is probably going to be able to guide these newbies better than any of the other three. I think um, you know that's probably something that David is going to struggle with. Uh, I think that's something that Kelly might struggle with because you know she tends to get along with. Uh, with specific people and and not able to get along with with others based on her two seasons and her two outings but um, Aubrey is really really adaptable she's able to get along with a lot of different personalities as we've seen um, in Korong where she was able to work with people like um, like Ty and like Debbie for a little bit like Neil um, like Joe Del Campo Um, so I think that Aubrey is definitely more adaptable Uh, when it comes to working with people and when it comes to making people feel valued in an alliance. So I think that she will definitely be an asset to these newbies and they're really going to look up to her as an asset. Um, And and it'll be interesting to see if she can pull it off in her third time, but hopefully we get a nice resounding character arc for Aubrey because I would not be surprised if this is the last time that we see her out on a Survivor Island. Um, We'll see if third time is the charm. And then lastly, of course, we have a uh, fan favorite and uh, every mom's weird fantasy, uh, Joe Anglum. Joey Amazing coming back for round three, uh, the, uh, the, the best player of Survivor Worlds Apart and the best player of Survivor Second Chance. Um, I hope that you can hear my sarcasm. In that, I think Joe is a great player, but he definitely has some holes in his game over the past two seasons that really can't be overlooked when, when looking at a returnee season, um, you know, not surprised that Joe is back. Joe is, is Jeff Probst. It's his, his, his dream boy, his dream character. It's the same, you know, you know, as, as the Aussies and the Malcolms of the world. And now you have Joe and it's, he's got the Joey amazing moniker, and, uh, you know, he's been that fan favorite. He is really personable and really charming and really likable uh, when it comes to uh, the, the, the camera, when it comes to being on TV, when it comes to being on the island. Um, but his strategy is just, it's just not there. Uh, I specifically remember the scene, and uh, I think this was a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit demeaning to Joe. Um, but coming from one of my favorite players of all time, Spencer, in Second Chance, that one season where he, he or the, the one scene uh, and the one confessional where Spencer talks about how he has to talk to Joe in football terms, which I don't even know if that is a, a, a language that, that Joe really understands. I don't know if he's much of a big football guy. I think he's more of like a outdoor hiking yoga guy. Um, but he talks to him in football terms. And he calls it in Joe speak. Um, and I think that that's really... Uh, that was really interesting to see how Spencer had to try and adapt to strategize with Joe, being that he's so brainy and Joe is so not. So hopefully over the past couple of years, he's been able to take a look at his game and see you know how he can adapt 
um, strategically to uh, to align himself with people that are going to want to keep him around again. This season is tailor-made for Joe. If there's any season that he could have ever hoped for, it's a Redemption Island-type season. It's an Exile Island-type season. It's literally this theme. It's Edge of Extinction. Um, you know, Joe probably knows that he's going to be kept around through the whole merge. Uh, you know, his tribes have an incredible rate of winning immunity challenges. He very rarely goes to tribal council in, in the his first two seasons until the individual portion of the game. So, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to make the merge. He's going to be a physical threat as he always is. But once he gets to the merge, he's going to have that target on his back. So he absolutely needs to take the Jeremy Collins approach and keep as many physical shields around him as humanly possible. And maybe he's got to lose a couple of immunity challenges. His only two seasons, he went in to the merge and said, I need to win every challenge because he knew that he had a target on his back and he thought that that was the only way to get it off. If he, I'm not saying throws any challenges, but maybe he can rely on some of his um, some of the relationships that he builds, if he has like a war dog with him, a Gavin out in front of him, uh, you know, some of those really big physical guys, Eric or Chris, um, or even like Lauren and Aurora who seem really physically fit um, as well, or, or Wentworth as well, you know, if he can keep those people kind of out in front of him when it comes to the merge, um, then I think that he would be in a much, much better position um, than he had been in his previous seasons. He also needs to not win as many challenges, and I know that that's kind of anti-whatever Joe does, but but it's it, it has to happen. He can't he can't be putting himself out there and and try for the third time to go totally balls to the wall, win every single challenge, and and try and win the million dollars that way. So we'll see what happens with Joe, but this twist is definitely tailor made to him. If he does go to Extinction Island. He's coming back. He's not going to quit. You know, it, it's Joe. He's he's the you know he's the 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 personification of not giving up and and grittiness. So whether or not he gets voted out before the merge or after the merge, I think he's going to come back. And this is definitely going to be the 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 longest he goes in the game because he'll stick out Edge of Extinction as long as he possibly has to. So. That's my take on the four returning players and on the entire Survivor cast as a whole. Um, I am really excited to see how this goes. We've never had a season with four returning players with a mix of 14 new players. You know, we have had captain seasons in the past, um, whether it's Stephanie and Bobby John, Boston Rob and Russell, uh, Ozzy and Coach, and, you know, those seasons haven't been my favorite, um, as I think a lot of other people would agree, but um, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Um, the Edge of Extinction twist throws in another degree of variability that we don't know about, so um, you know, excited to see how it goes and uh, keep following along with me as we go through um, some of the, or as we go through these episodes and as I analyze the game for you all um, on the podcast. Now taking a look at some of the questions that I received from some of my friends and listeners of the podcast that I wanted to address um, before moving on. So uh, this one comes from, uh, from a, a friend and listener. Um, he says, why do they call it Survivor if everyone lives? 
And my, my answer to that is because dreams are killed. The next question that I have is from uh, a dedicated follower and listener of the podcast, Nicole, uh, and wanted to give a shout out to her for listening to every single word that I say um, on this on this platform. But she has uh, a couple of questions that uh, I am I'm interested to answer. Uh, the first one being, do you think that Joe stands a chance with the Joey Amazing moniker that he has earned over the past couple of seasons? Um, and that's a that's a really good question. None of the other competitors, none of the other returning players, excuse me, are coming in with any nicknames, any, you know, any monikers like that. Um, you know, Kelly, David, and Aubrey really don't have that type of, um, you know, face value threatening um, name. Uh, Joey Amazing is, is everybody knows Joe Anglum is Joey Amazing. Um, I wonder... If that that kind of concept of just him being an all-around golden boy is going to hurt him, I know that we saw Stephen Fishback. That was the bane of his existence in Second Chance. Uh, Joe was the golden boy. He couldn't stand it. Uh, he needed to get Joe out. Joe was the guy. Um, you know, he he was the guy. Um, everybody was looking at. He was the swing vote a lot of the times. Um, you know, people were targeting him whenever they could. Um, and he was absolutely essential to camp life and to, um, and to challenges. So I think that it doesn't help him to have that moniker of Joey Amazing because he probably just wants to be Joe. You know, going into this season, I'm sure he's not going to be calling himself Joey Amazing. Uh, I'm, I hope that Jeff isn't because that's going to that's gonna throw his game for a whirlwind if he just keeps getting called Joey Amazing. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of the castaways know it, and I'm absolutely positive that's going to have an effect. And then lastly, also from Nicole, have a question. Which returnee are you most excited to see play again? And that is a great question. I think I'm most excited to see David Wright play again. I know I mentioned this earlier. He's one of my favorite players to come out of the 30s. Um, I really love how strategic he is. And I thought that his overall character arc in Millennials Gen X was really impressive. And it was really fun to watch on TV, even from like the neurotic, wow, he's annoying uh, type of perspective from the beginning all the way to him dominating the merge and, and just running the game from a strategic perspective until it was too late, you know, for people realizing we have to get David out. And, and it was final six, final five, final four. Finally, it happened. So I'm really excited to see David play again. I, I, I really wish that he had been um, asked back for, for a different season. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how well this theme and, you know, him being with people who have played twice before. Um, and, you know, this is a mixed cast. I think that he would have fit in a whole lot better had he been selected for, I don't know, a, a second chance type of season, a, a an all-star season, a heroes versus villains season, whatever season 40 is going to be really is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. Um, and <laughs> the likelihood that we see him again is probably high if he gets really far in the game, but um, I, I really fear for him coming into a season like this where there are 14 new people who want to make a stamp on the game for themselves and they don't just want to help a returnee win the game. Um, so I'm really excited to see David play. Uh, the person I'm least excited to see play again uh, is probably Joe. Um, like a lot of other people, I, 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 I the archetype of Joe, um, it doesn't get old, but we don't need it. 
shoved down our throats every season. We're always going to get an archetype like Joe in every single season, whether it's, you know, uh, Joe coming out of 30 uh, in 32. We had it, I guess, in, in, in Nick Myrano, maybe, um, you know, season 33 coming out of Jay and season 35 uh, coming out of Devin, like season 36 coming out. I guess Sebastian was probably supposed to be that archetype. I don't even really know. Um, and then 37, we had it in Alec and we're always going to get a solid archetype who's going to give us good content every single season, um, you know, of that kind of golden boy, really good at challenges, but also can play the game and good socially, um, good in front of the camera and the, and, and, and the population loves him. So I, I really hope this is the last time we see Joe. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. And I think that we're going to see a lot of Joe because I think he's probably going to be on Extinction Island for the entire season because I don't see him getting voted out at the merge. Then when everybody finds out what the twist is going to be, he's going to be gone really quick and, you know, he's going to come back at Final Five. And I don't see any other way that this season goes other than Joey Amazing returning at Final Five for his redemption chance to win the game, steal the game. Um you know, uh, I was excited. I'm excited to see Kelly. I was, um, you know, happy to see Aubrey playing again. Uh, most excited to see David play. And lastly, the last question is who is my winner pick for this season? Um, I think for this season, it's definitely more difficult to do because of the mix of newbies and returnees. Um, you know, a lot of the time when you get a fans versus favorites, if you pick a fan to win, it's stupid. That that was never going to happen. That setup is never, it's never made for a fan to win the game. And I feel bad for for fans who get cast on those type of seasons because they're going to be put in a box that, uh, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been in if they had the chance to be in an all newbie season. I think the same for some of these castaways. You know, I think we have a lot of big personalities. Um, on this season, and I really hope that they get their fair share of screen time and we don't just devote the majority of it to these returnees that we're already comfortable with, because if that's the case, we might lose out on some really interesting personalities and some really interesting gameplay coming out of these folks. But from a newbie perspective, the people that I think can win the game, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with my first instinct of, of Gavin. I really, really like Gavin, um, and we just kind of saw his type of archetype win in Nick. Um, I think that he's going to be really fun to watch, really good in the challenges, really good strategically, um, especially in confessional. And socially, he's going to be able to uh, adapt to everybody and and be able to get along with a lot of people. So um, really like Gavin. Oh, man, I really like Lauren, too. Um, even for some of the downfalls that I that I pointed out, you know, in initially talking about her, um, I think that she is the type of person who can come out and, and steal the game away. Um, you know, if she can kind of fly under the radar a little bit, um, make those social connections and then really burst out comes the final four, final five. Um, I really like Rick. I think that Rick could get all the way to the end and he is so personable um, and, and, you know, he's not a, he's not a super fan, but he is a fan. So he knows what he's doing. Um, and so out of those three, I guess for newbies, I, out of those three, I'm going to go with Gavin. Gavin is my, my winner pick for this season. We have not had a lot of women winners in, in the past couple of seasons. 
and uh, I, I think that that trend is going to continue. But if it doesn't, I think Lauren, maybe Aurora, if she's able to keep things under wraps, um, really have good chances at winning the game as well. And then out of the, the returning players, I think that the person with the most, um, the most upside to win is Aubrey. Um, Kelly's going to be targeted really quickly because, uh, you know, her game in second chance was so incredible. She's seen as sneaky, sneaky. She's seen as kind of shifty, um, and, and really secretive. Um, Joe is a big physical target. Like we've already beat to death and David is such a strategic mastermind. People are not going to want him around, uh, you know, past the merge. Aubrey, I think is going to be seen not as just, well, as a strategic threat, of course, but more as a strategic partner to a lot of these new players than the other three. And I think that that's really valuable because, you know, the last game that we saw of hers was Game Changers, which was incredibly underwhelming. So I think that she has the opportunity to come out here and be, um, you know, really dominant from a strategic and social perspective um, and really get her ducks in a row and get her, get her claws into some people. So um, if I had to pick a returnee, I'd say Aubrey, um, being the most likely, um, you know, in a fans versus favorites, like I said, I would never pick a, I would never pick a fan to win the game. But when you've got four returnees and 14 newbies, the odds are kind of stacked against you. And, um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Gavin. Gavin is my winner pick for this season. Um, you know, if not Gavin, and if, if it's going to be a returning player, then Aubrey. Um, and that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm going. Um, so yeah, that, those are my thoughts on season 38 preseason. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Tweet at me, send me an Instagram message, uh, you know, hit me on Facebook, uh, post a comment below. Uh, I love interacting with people who are listening to the podcast. Please let me know, um, if you have any suggestions, if you have any questions, um, if you want to be involved, have your voice heard. Um, like I mentioned in the, uh, the intro to my podcast series, uh, you know, it is Survivor and other things. So I will be talking about other things with people uh, eventually. It's been a very uh, busy couple of weeks and months. I uh, had a job change and some family stuff. So, um, you know, looking forward to diving into some of my friends' interests and not only talking about Survivor on this on this podcast, but making sure that it's a platform for people to have their voice heard um, especially when people, you know, maybe think that their interests go unnoticed by, um, by friends or by family or whoever it might be. So people can have an, uh, you know, an outlet to, to talk about the things that they love and the things that they're interested in. I'm able to do that on a weekly basis when it comes to Survivor. I really can't wait to, uh, to keep this podcast series going and talk to you guys every week, uh, about each individual episode. So, um, again, Hit me up on social media, drop a comment below, let me know what you guys think, and enjoy the premiere episode this Wednesday.